What's up, everybody? It's Jordan Stolte, your host of the Triple F Podcast. Welcome to another episode. Welcome back. I missed you guys. Missed you guys a lot. It was actually kind of weird um, not doing my podcast really this week, doing the normal three times. Uh, just as if you missed the announcement, I guess last episode I said I was only doing one episode this week, and it was it was more of a longer form Q and A, forty five minutes to an hour and a half, somewhere in there. Uh, it stayed on the shorter side of that. I just wanted to answer the questions and made sure I didn't babble on about things, uh, but. It was weird not doing it three times, you know, all in all. And I'm used to doing the Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing. So when Wednesday morning rolled around, I was just like, it was just like Pavlov's cat or dog. I can't remember which which animal it was, but Pavlov, the little bell and the drooling animal. That's what I felt like when it hit the day. I was like, all right, time to podcast. And no, I was experimenting with this new way, this new weekly episode, uh, and I do want your feedback on that. So it, it, it's weird for me, but I, you know, something different, and I did like it. Uh, but if you do or don't, I would say head over to Facebook, and I'll link that in the description of the show. Uh, but that's a good place to comment and let me know what you think. Uh, that's facebook.com slash Jordan Stoltz Fitness if you want to type it in or just click on the link in the description of the show. Um, also, Instagram is a great place at Stoltz Fit on Instagram, S-T-O-L-Z-F-I-T. Just search for that and I'll pop right up. Uh, and just send me maybe a direct message on Instagram letting me know what you think of this kind of new style and um, how your week went, I guess, without the three Fitness, Food, and Freedom episodes. And if you even care, right? Do you just download them whenever they come out or do you... Do you appreciate the three a week? Let me know. I do want the feedback on that because I'm just experimenting. This isn't like a new thing. This is just an ex- just an experiment, and I'm just kind of seeing what you guys think because I know a lot of shows actually do the once a week thing, and I want to kind of test that out and see what that's like. Anyways, let's get down to today's episode. Uh, I don't even know what number it is. I think 188. Uh, and I guess this is kind of like a combination of Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. But regardless, it's the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Let's roll. Welcome to the Fitness, Food, and Freedom Podcast. Keep listening for some awesome advice on health, motivation, and becoming a better version of yourself. Be sure to tune in every week for Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Friday. Behind the mic today, your host, a strength and conditioning coach, husband, and businessman, Jordan Stoltz. What's up, everybody? Jordan Stoltz, your host of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. It is Friday, and this episode should be coming out on Friday. This is the weekly fitness, food, and freedom episode. Kind of a weird little experiment that I'm doing. Let me know if you like it. You already heard that spiel in the intro, um, but please give me your feedback. That will really help to know if I should go forward like this for a couple more weeks and keep on experimenting or hit the three times a week again. Um, I want to know by the weekend so I can start batch preparing some more episodes if you want to go back to three times. I know it doesn't really matter to me. I just like to get behind the mic and talk to you guys and answer your questions. Today it is, like I said, Friday and it's Friday morning about eight o'clock and I'm having my morning coffee. And I'm going to answer your questions. I have a sheet of paper right over here on my right, big cup of coffee on my left, dogs running in and out of the house through a pet door that I found. What a deal. Found a 
you know, $250 sliding glass pet door on for 40 bucks on Facebook. And they are loving it at the, at the new house. So they're, they're running in and out being crazy. So if you hear that, that's what that is. But got these questions over here on my right. I got a list of about seven questions and I'm going to answer them all in this episode. So this is going to be a little longer form, a lot of topics to cover. Uh, it's kind of morning coffee with Jordan Q and a type thing, right? And they're, they range from workout questions to nutrition uh, and then and then some motivation stuff as well. A lot of it is nutrition uh, because I do think that's where a lot of the questions come, right? A lot of the questions I see from you guys are from nutrition and they're from from that whole kind of confusing confusing realm that is nutrition because there's a lot of conflicting information. There's a lot of people with opinions. And I, I've realized about nutrition uh, that people are so strong in their opinions, right? They don't want to be, excuse me, it's still early. They don't want to be told that that their opinion is wrong about nutrition or that something isn't working in their plan. Uh, they want to be, they want to be totally, uh, totally, uh, I guess, accepted. And they want to be totally believed in their nutrition philosophy. And it's, it's kind of like religion, politics, whatever. It falls under those same categories, right, where you're very strong-willed. And I've noticed that, and that brings up a lot of questions because there's a lot of people with definite answers, right? And like I've said before, probably every episode that I talk about nutrition is... Nutrition is a one-size-fits-nobody science, right? It's something that needs to be customized. Maybe, you know, you handle grains awesome and you can eat carbohydrates all day. Maybe someone else can't. Maybe maybe even something that you eat every day bothers bothers me, right? And it, it's it's just such this it's this customizable thing that that really has no one-size-fits-all answer. So you really have to be careful when you get into absolutes. So that's the reason I have more nutrition questions, but I am going to, I'm going to kind of get into some of the other ones as well. Um, I have, let's see, uh, one, two, two on workouts, uh, and then one on motivation and then four on nutrition. One of them is kind of a fun one and a few of them are more, um, kind of a little bit deeper questions, right? And as always guys, if you want to ask questions for the show and you want your questions answered, anything goes right. Fitness motivation, mindset, business, personal, uh, nutrition, whatever, ask it at triplefpodcast.com slash contact, triple the letter F, the word podcast.com slash contact, or as always as well, Stoltz Fit on Instagram, DM me there, S-T-O-L-Z-F-I-T, link in the full description as always. Let's get down to the first question, all right? First question, what are your tips for accountability? I have a hard time staying accountable going to the gym. I tend to fall off the wagon pretty easy, kind of um, stay, stay motivated for a while and then get into this attitude where I don't even care anymore. How do you stay, I guess, motivated or keep yourself accountable to keep on going to the gym, keep on eating healthy and keep on living a good lifestyle? That is the first question. What a great question to kick off the episode. In fact, I actually, before I did this experiment, I had um, part of an episode recorded with this question answered in it. So I want to, I want to kind of, um, I, I guess I wanted to include it in this one because it's important to get some of that motivation mindset going, 
going early and getting it in each episode, right? And this is a great question because this is kind of going along with the topics I've talked about uh, recently, right? I've talked about motivation. I've talked about momentum. I've talked about this importance of consistency and getting the snowball of momentum rolling. And being accountable is so important, right? I mean, you can kind of see, I don't need to prove it to you, how being accountable is going to really help you in the long run. Um, it's, it's mainly a strategy. Being held accountable is a strategy to hit that consistency and to get that snowball rolling for the for the momentum thing, right? If you're held accountable for several months on something, you're probably going to build a habit during that time. And then it's going to just be rolling and you have that momentum and you have that consistency already down, right? That's why accountability is so powerful. And I mean, you see this all the time you see it with little things like weight loss challenges, um, apps, right? I don't want to get into everything right now. I want to kind of go over these one by one and dive into them a little bit. So I, I feel like the best way to answer this question is to kind of give a disclaimer on motivation and then give a list of things that you can do to be held accountable, right? Some tips for accountability. But first, before going into those tips, I did want to talk about motivation a little bit and just kind of rehash the subject that motivation should be an intrinsic thing, right? Motivation shouldn't be an external factor. If all your motivation is coming from watching YouTube videos before your workout, if all your motivation is coming from heavy metal music at level 100 in your ears during your heavy sets, that stuff's fine, but it does it does have its place, but it doesn't need to be your sole source of motivation, right? The main source of motivation should, even if it's just eventually, come from within. It should come from an intrinsic, an intrinsic passion, right? An intrinsic, an intrinsic drive. And, and you need to find that drive and it does take some time and you do fade in and out of having that drive, but you do need to kind of know this intrinsic, this intrinsic motivation and how it's so important. The biggest question I like to ask people is just why, right? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you want to lose 30 pounds? Do you want to lose 30 pounds so you can play with your kids? Do you want to lose 30 pounds so you live long enough to see your kids grow up? Do you want to you know, lose 30 pounds for a certain event or a vacation? Is there something hanging over your head like that? Uh, is it a confidence thing? Do you want to change your life that way because you f- you'll feel so much more confident, be able to live a better life, right? These are the things. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just figuring out what is yours, right? What is your why? Why do you want to be healthy? Why do you want to build a different lifestyle than you currently have or maybe had, right? So that's an intrinsic reason is finding that why when you find yourself like in this question, getting into those ruts where you feel like I don't even care anymore. The gym, it's it sucks, right? I don't want to go and lift weights right now and I don't want to wake up at 6 a.m. to go do this. I want to, you know, sleep in a little bit. I want to I want to not have to go challenge myself in this environment. I want to just kind of hang out and do what I'm used to. It's and then it's at those moments that you'll need that intrinsic motivation and you'll need that why. Remind yourself of that why. Remind yourself why you started, right? That's the old saying. If you feel like quitting, um, remember why you started, something like that. Uh, think about why you started so important, right? And so powerful to actually dial yourself back, 
kind of throw away these these thoughts that are just creeping in your head, these little tempting thoughts, throw those away and actually just reflect on why did you start this in the first place? How important is this to you? What's the intrinsic motivation for you doing what you're doing? And is that powerful enough to get you out of bed, get you into the gym, get you to eat the better food choice, get you to not binge on cookies, right? Whatever it is, that that is where it needs to come from. That's kind of my little disclaimer on motivation. I do want to touch on the actual question, though, because you did ask, uh, you know, what are some tips for accountability? What are some ways you can stay accountable? Uh, I do have like five or six tips for you, um, some different things that will hold you accountable and that I've used and I like to use and I like to have clients and uh, people that I train use. Uh, but really, you know, in the long run, you need to figure out how to get that intrinsic motivation and drive yourself from within so you don't even have that problem anymore, right? Just the power of prevention, I guess you could say. So tip number one uh, for accountability is going to be photos, right? And this is something that you can easily do. This is done on your smartphone with a mirror. Just take photo. Maybe you just take one before photo and you take an after photo in a few months or six months or a year. It does The timeline doesn't necessarily matter. Just put some kind of timeline on it, put on the heat a little bit, and um, you can even do this more dramatically. Take photos every single day, right? That could, be, that could be what you do. Take photos every day, put them in a folder, and then at the end of a few months, click through them all really, really fast and see the transformation that you make, right? Whether it's gaining muscle, whether it's losing fat, whatever it is. Um, if you take photos, that will definitely hold you accountable because you know you have that photo coming up soon, right? It's just almost like an event and you want to see that change. And just on the same page is tip number two, which is social media. Now you don't have to post pictures of yourself on social media, but at least mention your journey, right? Support groups is huge and having people around you that love and support you is really going to hold you accountable and even more so if they hold you accountable, that's really going to help your accountability. It's going to skyrocket. So I really suggest utilizing social media. Uh, It doesn't have to be a personal social media. There's Facebook groups out there uh, for just this kind of thing, right? And uh, there's maybe just a group of friends that you can post to and message to, right? And keep yourselves motivated. Talk to each other about the challenges. Maybe you even put your photos on there. Whatever you do, it's going to help. And that accountability is going to really go up just by you speaking it, right? Just by you writing it, just by you posting something, saying that you're doing this thing, that pressure is going to kind of be on, right? That's going to be a nice, easy thing when you're sitting in that comfy chair and you're thinking, well, I don't really want to go exercise. You can think about that accountability that you've already put out there into the world, right? Because that's what it is. You put something on social media, it's out there in the world for all your friends, all the people in your Facebook group, whatever it is to see. So it's really huge that you hold yourself accountable. Um, that's, that's tip number two. So between photos and social, you really got a way to put yourself out there and to make sure that you're actually gauging your progress over time and staying accountable. Number three is, is, uh, events. And this can be any kind of event, right? You don't have to do a bodybuilding show or a physique show. You can, or you could just go on vacation, right? You could just go to the beach. You could, 
you could have a photo shoot, you could take family pictures, right? These don't have to be fitnessy pictures. These are just something uh, to put an end cap on on this timeline. And I mean, it, it, it really could just be a vacation. It really could just be summertime in general, right? By June 1st, you want to you want to be leaner, right? And you use these other things as well, the social media, the photos, uh, the different things I'm going to talk about after, uh, but you you still have this time cap. That's going to hold you accountable, and it's, it's just kind of the power of a deadline. I mean, if you're good under deadlines, if you like pressure, kind of that little you know, flame under your butt. And that's, that's definitely a good strategy is to get some kind of event. I mean, that can be anything. It doesn't even have to be something like aesthetic driven. I mean, sign up for a 5k, sign up for a a charity walk, sign up for a, like a tough mutter race or something like that, right? Something to get you into a timeline where you need to, uh, where you need to have a little bit of pressure there. Uh, my next tip is for uh, it's it's kind of similar, I guess. It's it's basically putting a time cap as well, uh, but contests. And this is something that you actually enter right. And these are transformation contests, things like that. Twelve week contests, twelve week programs where you're going through workouts, focusing on your nutrition, uh, and you know, trying to have a transformation in that certain amount of time. Maybe you try to win the contest by sending in pictures. Maybe you just, um, maybe you just participate because you want the change, right? But having a group of people that you know are doing the same thing, having someone who's running this, this contest is really going to help you out in your accountability. Now, my last tip is kind of unique one. Uh, and this is, this is really, something that's kind of been interesting to me is actually the power in tracking your stats. And I've really kind of been in the past more of a flow kind of guy, right? Like why, why be all uptight about your stats and kind of married to these numbers and tracking everything, right? It seems a little unsustainable and it seems a little obsessive to me, at least in the past, but I have realized lately how powerful tracking your stats actually is for accountability. It's huge. I mean, you can, you can, it's the same as a picture, right? Only it's actual numbers and it depends how much you like numbers, but it it has the same effect as taking photos every single day. You can even do both, but it has the same effect as measuring your waist, taking your weight, um, taking your body fat percentage, tracking that every week or every day. And, you know, eventually maybe you make a little line graph and see your progress over time. That's going to be so motivating uh, as long as it's going in the right way. Uh, I mean, even stats in the gym are going to keep you motivated, right? So if you're having trouble staying motivated for the gym, tracking your workouts for a change is going to make a huge difference, right? If you run a mile in seven minutes this week, try to do it in under seven minutes next week and keep track of those and try to beat them, right? Make it a competitive thing. If you lifted 300 pounds today, try to make it 305 pounds next week right? Track these things in an app, on paper, in Excel, whatever you use is going to really help you see progress over time, be motivated to go beat yourself, right? Because that's what this whole thing's all about is you're improving yourself and you're beating yourself. So 
that that's huge. And it's really something I've been using a lot lately is tracking stats and uh, no need to get obsessive about it, make it pretty sustainable, but it's something that you can really dive into and actually have a fun time with and enjoy seeing things go up and things go down. Next question is about nutrition. I said there's a lot of them, so I'm going to try to sprinkle them in uh, throughout this whole thing. Now, this question, why would anyone ever want to be at maintenance? All right, the the normal goals for, for an average person are either going to be fat loss or muscle gain. I don't understand why someone would even want to be at maintenance, why that's even an option, and what the purpose of maintenance calories is. Please explain. Great question. This is kind of something that... that it, I have um, used, right? I've used maintenance calories more than ever in the past year. A lot of that's because of my new job, and a lot of that is because of kind of my current goals. But I've used it so much, and I've kind of realized the power of maintenance calories and the power of of why why they're actually really useful. And I'm gonna maybe do a full episode on this, depending how this experiment works out with the once a week or three times a week. But I want to talk a lot about about this maintenance calories and your metabolism and all these different things. Um, there's, there's a few reasons, probably three reasons someone would want to use maintenance calories. Okay. And I'll say all three for you. Number one is that they're happy with their progress and it's literally just, that they want to maintain. This is rare because people tend to always want to improve, which is cool. Uh, it's pretty rare that someone is actually just happy with their progress, ready to stop and ready to just maintain for the rest of their lives. Right. But it does happen, and uh, I mean, if you maybe you get leaner for the summer and you don't want to worry about working out hard all summer, you just want to kind of enjoy it, you maintain, right, through that whole time. You still would want to track your food or at least be aware of what you're eating, and you know, you, you, but you want to be around this maintenance number so you don't gain a lot of weight or you don't lose more weight, right? Um, the second reason someone would want to maintain is that it's after reverse, right? After a reverse diet or after a, uh, as I call it, metabolic repair, where you are making your metabolism, kind of forcing it to adapt to a higher calorie number. I always would say to maintain for a while after that, because it's going to take some time for your metabolism to catch up, right? This is kind of a basis of the company I work for. And this is what they preach. It's to do a reverse. I, uh, metabolic repair phase, right? And for my clients, that's not usually that long. It's maybe like a month, maybe six weeks, and they're going to work up their calories and they're going to get up to a certain point. Maybe they're used to eating 1200. They get up to 2000 calories and they're going to stay there for, I don't know, two, three, four weeks, right? At maintenance, that's going to be their new maintenance. And they're going to establish where that maintenance is. And, uh, this is really going to help uh, get your metabolism to catch up and actually help your fat loss later down the road. So if you're a client listening that's been with me, you know that I, I do this with my reverses. I will make you maintain for a while at the top end of that, and that it's, it's for that reason. That's probably the main time I would see people, just an average person, use maintenance calories. The third way is more of maybe an advanced thing, but it's when you actually want to know what your maintenance calories are. Right, and this may seem a little silly uh, coming, you know, coming out of my mouth. But what I mean is, I have equations, right? If you've read the macro guide, you know I kind of have these basic equations to figure out maintenance calories, to figure out 
what kind of deficit you should be at, what kind of surplus you should be at if you're wanting to gain weight. I have these little equations, right? And typically the maintenance calories is like body weight times 15 or 14, depending how easy you lose, you gain fat. Uh, that's a rough estimate. And for a lot of people, that's not even close, right? There's a lot of outliers that that's not even close. So a great way to actually set yourself up for success is to figure out what your maintenance calories actually are. And this is a big process and it might seem like you're kind of spinning your wheels for a while, but man, is it useful to actually know that your maintenance calories are 2400 instead of 2600 is huge because you're saving yourself so much time and energy in in your goals when you're maybe you want to lose fat and you set your deficit at 2300 calories well you're really only at a 100 calorie deficit you might need to drop a little bit lower because you know your actual calories for maintenance are 2400 right it makes it so useful so you know what kind of deficit to set, you know what goal you want to get back up to as far as calories are concerned when you repair your metabolism after your diet. Uh, that's a great way. This is kind of an advanced thing. If you're just curious, I suggest trying to find it, right? Going through this kind of process where you are eating certain amounts of food where you think your maintenance is, seeing if you gain or lose weight. If you don't gain or lose weight you know, within I don't know, half a pound each way uh, for a few weeks, that would be your maintenance. And that's that's perfect. That's what you'd want. And that number is great to know. So those are probably the three times people would use maintenance calories. I used them a little bit recently going through some reverse process, figuring out my own, and then just kind of hovering around during this time, right? I talked about this big move. Uh, I tried to hover around maintenance calories because I wasn't really going in the gym. And it kind of worked. I would... Th- think that in the future I would want to actually experiment beforehand and find my real maintenance because I think I might have been a little bit above it um but that's that's a you know that's a different story so uh, that's kind of the the three reasons someone would want to use maintenance great question All right, next question, we're going to hit the workout stuff a little bit. I want to get this little trifecta, right? The motivation, the well, the freedom, the food, and the fitness, right? Get all the Fs in this episode. So this question, just a simple one, I mean, really, like five words. Full body or upper body split? Oh, I, I read that wrong. Full body or upper lower split? <laughs> it was five words and I didn't read it right. That's all it is, full body or upper lower split? Well, this is kind of a loaded question because, I mean, it's, you know, different for every person. That's the cop-out answer. I mean, in general, though, there is some tips I have on this, and I want to kind of give my opinion on which one is best, I guess. Um, I mean, it, it really, for me, it depends on how many times you actually want to train a week. Uh, if you want to train only three times a week, full body is really good if you want to do four or five times a week upper lower is probably a little bit better um that's kind of the general answer and that's probably the first little screen i would put people through if they're asking about a workout program uh, full body or upper lower i would say you know how many times do you prefer to work out a week that's that's a principal question that's a staple question for me uh when i kind of screen through people uh but after that there's a lot of other information that can kind of that can kind of it can kind of affect what training program is best for you and a lot of it is just experience so if you are a, more of a beginner 
full body is better for you. And if you are more advanced, upper lower is better for you. Let me explain. And I know there are exceptions to this. And I do think that a beginner can start an upper lower and have great progress. And an advanced person can probably do full body in a sense and have great progress as well. Um, so full body workouts, great for beginners because you're going to really focus on those compound lifts and the frequency, right? I've talked about the frequency. Uh, for example, you you would do, since it's full body, you would be doing legs, some kind of squat variation three times a week. And that's awesome for progress, especially in the beginning. You're going to learn the movement patterns super fast, way faster than someone only doing it once or twice a week. Um, you know, especially faster than someone just having a leg day thrown in there. Um, you're going to progress really fast in those big compound strength movements, your bench press, overhead press, um, deadlift, squat, um, whatever other staple exercise you do, those are really going to be shooting up because you're going to be doing them a lot and you're going to be doing them really heavy and focusing on those compound lifts. It's, it's a great method and, um, it's a great method for beginners to really shoot up those compound lists, but that can actually end up being a problem as you get more advanced. So, and that's really just strength because as you are able to put on more strength, that's going to require more warm up sets. That's going to require more time, right? So full body workouts are either going to start being way less exercises because you're taking up your whole hour with a few exercises, or you are having these incredibly long sessions with the full body workouts because you are, you know, focusing on so many exercises. You have to warm up for each one, get ready for each one. And you have a lot of strength now. So you're able to, you're able to, you have to warm up and you're able to hit really high numbers. That's where an upper lower split comes in is when you can separate some of the big lifts, right? So if you're really focusing on these compound lifts, bench press, overhead press, deadlift, squat, like I said, you can split them up between the days. So your upper ones, maybe you focus one whole upper day on the overhead press, one whole upper day on the bench press. That will allow you a lot shorter workout and a lot more time for other stuff. That's probably my next point is full body workouts do not really allow for a lot of isolation movements. Now, people preach, and I mean, especially strength coaches, preach compound movements, right? Things like bodyweight exercises, um, squats, big barbell exercises, right? That's what comes to mind. And even a little bit of dumbbell stuff, but barely. And you don't even have time for that because if you're hitting your big movements, which is a good full body workout, you're not really going to have time unless you go in there for a marathon session. You're not going to have time to hit your other isolation movements. And isolation movements are very useful. It's a problem that a lot of people ignore them and a lot of people preach the compound movements till they die, right? Compound movements are great. You can get a global response on a, you know, a big exercise like that. However, they're not necessarily, they're not necessarily the end all be all. You need to focus on some problem areas and that could be as simple as, let me give two examples on when you'd want to use isolation movements just, just to prove my point on why they're so important. Uh, isolation movement, you'd, you would want to do a tricep isolation. If maybe you were bench pressing and the lockout portion was weak, right? You could get it off your chest, but then somewhere in the middle, you stall out and you can't lock out your elbows. You would probably need to focus extra attention on your triceps to bring up that weakness and to make sure you can lock out that weight in, in, in the proper way and kind of, and then maybe, 
uh, shoulder health is another issue that you're having doing some of these exercises. You need to actually isolate the rear delt, right, the back of the shoulder to bring it up to match the front of the shoulder and the side of the shoulder so you have a balanced, well-rounded shoulder that's going to prevent injuries down the road, especially if you're focusing on heavy exercises. Those are two reasons you'd want to use isolation. I'm a big fan of isolation movements, actually, as long as you're getting your strength work in as well. And upper-lower splits really allow for those to be thrown in there. So I'm actually more of a fan of upper-lower splits. I think there is this exception where you can do full-body workouts and then add in little sessions in between the workouts of isolation work, which is okay, but then you're working out five, six days a week. If you want to stick to like four, uh, the upper lower splits, great. So uh, I guess that's my answer is for raw beginners, just wanted to bring up the compound list, full body is fine. As you progress, think about throwing in some isolation uh, workouts in between the full body workouts, and uh, you're going to be looking at longer workouts as you go. The upper lower split, great for time, great for progress. I've seen so much progress on it uh, with different clients. It's it's kind of what I always go back to is some kind of upper lower split because it just works and it's easy to program for. It's not that complicated. You're still getting the frequency and you're able to add in the isolation movements as well. So I would probably say unless you are just starting out, just roll with the upper lower split. You'll still have great progress. You'll still have a lot of strength gains, but you'll probably be able to see a more balanced, um, well-rounded, injury-proof body than with the full body workouts. Next question, how do you eat healthy on the cheap? I'm trying to have a budget and I'm fighting this this fact that, um, let's see here. I'm fighting this fact that healthy food is the most expensive food in the store. The cheapest food is the food that is not going to help me hit my numbers and is not good for me uh, in my body. So how do you eat healthy on the cheap? Great question. Um, it, it's It's really... It's really challenging, and I mean, that is a problem in in the world. I mean, I would love to get in touch as far as podcast uh, sponsors are concerned. I'd love to get in touch with some someone like Thrive Market. I love what they're doing over there, providing healthy food, you know, wholesale prices. Great, great company. Uh, check out something like that and check out something like Costco, Sam's Club to try to get bulk items. That's really going to be your best bet. It's not easy and it definitely is wrong that the healthiest food is the most expensive. Um, I guess my tip for eating healthy on the cheap is you're going to have to make some exceptions, right? You're not going to be able to eat grass-fed meat, um, you know, free-range eggs, organic vegetables, uh, all these you know naturally sourced things you're going to kind of have to pick and choose and maybe order them in priorities so i'd probably say um, fix your meat issue first if you really want to go you know all organic do it with your meat eat your veggies the normal produce veggies um, buy things in bulk it's a challenge and i don't think there's a solution to it i think you can just try to find the deals right and stock up on the bulk items find cheap protein source is probably your best way but if you're you you know in your question you said eat healthy on the cheap and i mean it's 
easy to hit your numbers on the cheap because you can just you know eat tuna and drink protein shakes and eat cereal all day long and peanut butter and that would hit all of your 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 macros right but that's not necessarily what's healthy for you and because you said eating healthy on the cheap at the end of the question uh, it's a little bit more challenging to pick these foods that are really going to give you the micronutrients you need you know the fiber satiate you provide you with energy it's not going to be easy um, on the cheap but i guess that's my only tip is to Check out companies like Thrive Market, maybe uh, check out Costco or Sam's Club, buy things in bulk, uh, and then try to dial back some of the organic stuff if that's what you're focusing on. Uh, you know, maybe ditch the organic veggies and just focus on the meat. I don't know, maybe you start raising, raising your own vegetables in a garden out back, right? That's a good way to do it as well trying to cut back on on how often you have to buy things i guess but uh it's not easy and it's a problem that needs to be solved in the world that's really it's kind of a cop-out answer but totally true uh it's 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 not not okay that the cheapest things are the most um the most unhealthy for our bodies i guess you can say here's kind of a fun question this one is uh And this question was actually through Facebook, so I don't have it in front of me. I wrote down what it was, though. So I'm not reading the question, but I'm going to mention what it was. It was kind of an interesting one. How do you deal with you and Sarah, who's my wife, eating such different amounts of calories, right? I've mentioned before that I eat a lot of calories, 3,000, 4,000 calories. And how how do you deal um, with that massive difference in eating? Because she's very small and, uh, and I'm a little bit bigger. And this is kind of an interesting topic. Um, it, it is true and it is kind of, it, it kind of cracked me up. This question is like, man, that's something like, it's a unique question. I wouldn't have thought of that on how, how different we eat, right? And the food amounts. Like if I, I literally eat twice as much as she does and that, that is changing. I, I, I am more a little bit on the lower end of the calories right now, which for a lot of people is high calories. I'm eating about 2,900 calories right now, um, a day, maybe 2,800. And previously I was at like 4,200, right? Just an obscene amount of calories, which was, you know, she eats probably close to 1500 calories a day. Um, so just, and still, even when I'm on my low end, about twice as much food as she does. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we deal? How do we cook meals knowing that I'm going to eat twice as much as her? And I mean, kind of the running joke or the running, the running thing that we talk about is that maybe with my massive eating and her, you know, less eating, or at least that she's small, she eats the perfect amount for her size, but just um, with her size and my size combined, we make two normal people. So that was kind of the joke, I guess. But for real, though, it's 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 not that bad. And I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of a thing where it's all about the timing. So I mean, we eat dinners together, but we don't really eat any other meals together just because of work and because of other things like that. Uh, so. Sarah will not eat breakfast. Uh, she'll she'll kind of do some kind of fasting thing. Sometimes she'll eat some fruit, uh, but really just has the coffee in the morning. Eats her lunch, and it's probably a smaller lunch, maybe three to seven hundred calories in lunchtime, somewhere in that range, right? Probably an average of about five hundred calories, leaving her with like 
800 to 1,000 calories um, at night. And I am, I end up with about the same amount of calories at night. So I like to eat more during the day. So I eat a bigger lunch, probably like a 900 to 1,000 calorie lunch, uh, probably about a five to 700 calorie breakfast. So let's see, do the math there. And it leaves me about a thousand to 1500 calories at nighttime. So we end up about the same. So, and it typically fits and we both have the same priorities throughout the day, right? We both focus on protein throughout the day. And then we kind of are able to eat whatever you want to at night, I guess. So try to knock the protein out right away. So we're able to eat, you know, whatever it is. Homemade pizza was last night. So we're able to really eat that and indulge on it because we know that we hit our protein goal and it's going to fit in our calorie goal. And we have very similar calorie goals of what's left uh, for the day. It does end up though that I just eat more than she does. I mean, if we make a, if we make some pasta, I'm having three, four cups of it. She's having one or two. Uh, it just kind of equals out to me eating more and me eating more often throughout the day and bigger meals. So it's going to equal out because of the, because of the appetite. I don't know if this question was specifically like maybe you're in the same situation. I definitely do think it's easier because we both track our food and we both care about that. If you're eating with someone, uh, that, that just ate, whatever they wanted to and you track maybe it'd be a little harder uh as far as planning meals and making sure that you're getting the right things in the right numbers uh but that's that's kind of how we roll with it it's kind of a unique question i like answering this one um but if if this is actually a problem you're dealing with feel free to follow up and kind of say if this helped you or not and maybe expand a little bit more on on what your specific issue is or if it was just for fun hopefully that answered the question This one is a great one, how to prevent goal bouncing. Um, I'm skinny fat right now, meaning I don't have a lot of muscle, but I carry some pudge around my midsection, uh, and I keep bouncing from goal to goal. Sometimes I want to focus on muscle gain. Sometimes I want to focus on fat loss. Whenever I get deep into a phase, for example, when I start to lose too much weight, I start to look really skinny, and then I want to focus on muscle building. But then I get to, and he says, fluffy, which is interesting, uh, a little bit fluffy. And how do I, uh, how do I prevent goal bouncing is basically the question. Uh, this is kind of an interesting one, and I'm not going to give you a good answer. I'm not, you're probably looking for a whole list of tips like I gave for accountability. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not really going to do that. I'm going to just give you a straight up answer, and that is to prevent goal bouncing, you just got to commit to something. And typically... It's going to be the weight loss thing first. Uh, if you're really self-conscious about it, just focus on the muscle gain and commit to the goal, right? Commit to the goal and trust the goal. Follow through to the end until you are at the point that you want to be at or even a little bit farther, meaning a little bit leaner than you thought you would be, a little bit more muscular than you thought you would be, right? You just have to commit because you've got to get out of that rut of being you know, half this, half that, and then when you go into a goal, you flip-flop back to the other one. It's not good. It's it's uh, basically how you end up just treading water and not getting anywhere. So uh, you definitely have to take care of this. And my only piece of advice is to just pick a goal and just fly with it, right? And typically how I'll advise people is if they are under 25, I would say focus on the muscle building first Build the muscle first, even if you have some fat to lose, because your hormones are in an optimal place to build muscle. 
you are young, you have a lot of energy, um, you're a little more injury proof than someone a little bit older. Someone a little bit older is really going to benefit from dropping as much fat as they possibly can uh, because that's going to just be more risk for injury if they have it, right? More weight to carry around. Uh, it's going to cause other health problems and it's going to be, it's going to take longer and be harder to gain muscle. So you don't want to commit to that first, but commit to the goal, whatever you choose. So if you're choosing the muscle gain, go all in, focus on actually gaining maybe a pound a month or something like that. And really getting stronger, right? Don't quit until you're very, very strong. And then you can focus on the fat loss. If you want to, you know, not be, as you say, a little bit overweight, a little bit pudgy, a little bit fluffy. Maybe you focus on the weight loss first. Go all in on that, though. Get really lean. Get your abs to show. Get get to the point where maybe you feel like you're skinny or something like that, like you were saying. And then you can focus on the lean muscle gain kind of phase. But don't flip-flop between the two. You don't want to be caught in the middle. You want to take care of one, check it off the list, and then go for the other one. Last question of the day for today's Fitness, Food, and Freedom is what are your recommended supplements? And once again, I'm going to cheat on the answer. I am going to give you my recommended supplements, but I want to kind of say when you would use supplements. And I'll give you a list. So I guess it's not really cheating. I'll give you my favorite recommended supplements. Um, I don't necessarily want to recommend supplements to everybody because of you know medical liability kind of stuff. But there are some things that people are commonly deficient in, and that is when I would use uh, supplements. So focus on the convenience. That's probably the main thing to think about is the convenience factor of the supplements that you take. So what I mean by convenience is the things that you're not able to get in on a daily basis, that's when I would use a supplement. So Things like protein powder is what I recommend, and the only reason I recommend protein powder isn't really because it helps you do anything faster or helps you get results faster. I recommend protein powder because sometimes it's way more convenient than making chicken, or sometimes it's way more convenient than having to get in a certain amount of protein every day. It's easy to knock out a bunch of grams of the protein shake. And you can think about that same kind of method with other supplements as well, right? If it's fish oil, that's another one I recommend. But the only reason I recommend fish oil isn't because that's going to give you some magic results. It's because we don't eat a lot of fish, right? Like in, in my family, we don't really eat a lot of fish. So it's, it's, it's better to just kind of supplement it in. If you do eat a lot of fish and you get a lot of omega-3s, then you don't necessarily need to focus on that. It's for convenience. Another one I'd recommend is vitamin D. And again, for convenience, because maybe you don't get outside as much as you should. Maybe you don't actually get a lot of sun. Maybe you 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 know live live in the northern states. Maybe you live in a northern country and you are you know, you you don't really see a lot of that warm sun like I've been enjoying recently. Um, if you don't it's just for convenience. You take vitamin D, right? Because your other option is just go sit out in the sun for a few hours a day. And that's not very practical. So those are really my main ones. Maybe another one would be um, iron. And that one's just because it's a common deficiency. Those are probably my big four. And as you can see, they're all just for convenience to supplement a diet, to supplement a healthy lifestyle, but just some things that you don't necessarily focus on day by day. So that's kind of the supplements I recommend. And that's really that's really that's really it. I guess that's the end of the episode. 
So how about that? A little uh, 45 minute longer episode, all q and I answered seven questions and I feel like I really crammed them in. Maybe I talked really fast this whole time and just went crazy, but you know, it is coffee time with Jordan. So I'm drinking a lot of coffee here, sitting here and I, I enjoy doing this. I don't know. I liked being able to kind of string all the questions along and read read the questions without just focusing one show on one question. So, you know, no, no matter if you like the nutrition stuff, the workout stuff, the motivation stuff, you probably listened to the whole episode. And that's awesome because maybe you heard some tips that you maybe wouldn't have listened to on a full episode, right? You tend to not really like the Workout Wednesday shows. You know, maybe the questions I answered on the workouts actually helped you, though, about goals and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's good for the listeners, for you guys. Uh, but I do want to hear your feedback. As I said at the beginning of the show, let me know on Facebook, on Instagram, w- w- kind of what you thought of even the contact page, uh, which I'll all link in the, the description of the show, what you thought of this new style of podcast, right? Do you like the longer shows at the end of the week? where you, you know, maybe you listen to parts here and there, maybe you listen to the whole thing through, get a lot of questions crammed in there, or do you prefer um, a single dive into a topic, 15 to 25 minute episodes, uh, like I typically do with the Motivation Monday, Workout Wednesday, and Foodie Fridays? Uh, Let me know. Please give me feedback, and I'll probably see you guys Well, I guess depending on your feedback over the weekend, I'll see you guys either on Monday or next Friday, but I hope it's soon. And um, I enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a listener of the Fitness, Food, and Freedom podcast. Till next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Triple F Podcast. Please leave a five-star iTunes review and share the podcast with your friends and family. Tune in next time for more great tips on fitness, food, and freedom.